And I'm going to read to us verses 14 through 24 and 29 through 35. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria was, had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen, yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in any of this matter, for your hearts is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now jump ahead to verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer in silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied to him. Who can describe his generations? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and, began, and beginning with that scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. We'll keep going. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of the Lord. Now, you were supposed to be reading Acts 6, 7, and 8 in preparation for today, and I hope that some of you have taken the time to do that. One of the commentaries that I'm walking through as we look at the book of Acts sums it up this way. Acts 6, 7, and 8 form a single chain of events revolving around Hellenized believers or those who aren't Jews culminating in the evangelization of the Samaritans as a continuation of what God, man, Jesus mandated in Acts chapter 1 that said, you will go out and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the rest of the world. The Samaritans are victims of nepotism and persecution, but nonetheless, they benefit from the blessing of conversion to Jesus Christ. The rock-hurling death of Stephen 
was so terrifying, we see that in chapter 7, that the disciples had no other choice but to run away. And for a second time, Luke, in the beginning of chapter 8, brings Saul of Tarsus into view to introduce him in Acts, of which Saul will be a key figure. Indeed, Saul's influence in persecuting the church is under the spotlight in this particular passage. And here in Acts chapter 8, we briefly discuss Saul's attack. That's found in the first couple of verses. And then we move into this story of Philip evangelizing the Samaritans. So that's kind of where we're at. We've had Stephen, we've had those who are outside of the Jewish community who were not being cared for. And so the, the apostles get together and they set aside godly men to care for them. And, and then we see Stephen proclaiming Christ and then being stoned to death with Saul being present. Then it says that they scatter out and Saul then moves towards them, persecuting them. And then Philip goes to Samaria. And that's where we find us in chapter 8. And what we have happening today is a discussion about two different types of people who hear and possibly even receive the gospel. We have Simon the sorcerer. You heard his name mentioned there, and I'll give you a little bit of background about him. And then you have this Ethiopian eunuch and their engagement with what it means to hear this gospel of God's steadfast love and pursuit to bring us all into whole, right, truth relationship with himself, with ourselves, with all others, and the very world that we live in. And so we recognize that there's something going on and good that we can learn from seeing how these two people engage with the gospel and what happens. And so we first look at Simon. Simon is a magician, it tells us in chapter 8, verse 9, that he was practicing magic within the city and he amazed all the people of Samaria, so much so that they called him, <laughs> the man is the power of God that is called great. He amazed them all. But when Philip comes, he preaches, people are baptized in water, and it says that Simon even believes. Now, when Peter and John show up, they lay hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't have the Holy Spirit already, because we know that the Holy Spirit is the thing that changes our hearts, that makes us recognize that we need Jesus to begin with. However, there is some sort of thing that needs to happen here because what's taken place at Pentecost just a little while ago needs to be affirmed in the very same way for the Samaritans so that they know in, in Samaria that they're receiving the same message, the same spirit, the same things that are happening. See, because over and over again, the discrepancy and discussion, even the, the battle that took place between Jews and Samaritans is that one of them were the true worshipers and the others weren't. You might remember that from the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. You guys worship over there and we worship over here. Who's right? And so it would be um, less for them not to have received exactly what it looked like for all others to have received it in the Jewish nation. See, it would have been very easy then for those that were Jews who had become believers to say you are one class under, as you always were Samaritans. 
And so there's a sense that what took place in Jerusalem needed to take place in Samaria in the very same way. So Peter and John come and lay hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now notice here that Simon sees what's happening and he has a desire that wells up in him to say, I want that as well. Not that I want the Spirit to well up within me, but I want to have the ability to cause the Spirit to come upon people. And so he asks, what do I need to do to get that? I've got some cash. Will that work? Then we jump to the Ethiopian eunuch. So Philip has already left. He's shown up with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch is studying, searching Scripture, looking at it. And we see him walking and Philip comes up to him and he says, do you understand? And he says, no, how can I understand unless somebody shows me? So he gets in there and he tells him about what he's reading. Now, just as a little side note, what we've noticed in Acts so far is that every time someone's going to tell someone about Jesus, whether it's Peter or John, or we know even in the Gospels, Jesus himself, what do they use to do that? They use the word of God. They walk through Scripture with them. Because it is the story and the truth of God's everlasting steadfast pursuit of salvation. And so it's good for us, of those of us who say we are of the way, we are those who are walking with Christ, to know Scripture. (laughs) To be in it and not to neglect it. Side, Side sermon over. The Ethiopian eunuch hears this good message and says, I've got to change. Something's got to go different. Look, there's water, right? Why don't you baptize me now? Why wait? And so Philip does that. And then miraculously, Philip is taken up in the spirit and taken someplace else. And the Ethiopian eunuch, we know, goes on his way back home after being in Jerusalem where he'd been a faithful Jew, a convert. And now he is a believer in the way, a believer in Christ, and he spreads that news out throughout the African continent in that way. So what do we need to learn from these two particular group of men, these two men who engage with the gospel in some way? Well, what I want to say, first of all, is that Simon is so good to us that he shows us what our heart's desires often go towards. Simon is well-known. He's well-respected. He has influence and power. And his desire in the end to ask for that gift of the Holy Spirit and being able to lay hands on it is so his growth in his power and his influence and control can get bigger. Now, you might sit there and say, I I don't want power. I don't want influence. I don't want control. Okay. (laughs) That might be true in a Simon the Magician sort of way. But in your life, I can assure you that there are places that you know, I want power, I want influence, I want control. And I would even say some of us don't care about much of that, we just want pleasure. But we have to use those other things to get the pleasure that we want. Simon here recognizes that there's something that's going on, and what he says in his heart is, that will be good for me. 
Now, that doesn't seem too far off, does it? I mean, we recognize that if I'm dead and I can be brought back to life, if I'm in darkness and I can be, uh, see light, if I'm in slavery and I'm set free, that's good for me, right? But what Simon is looking at saying, not that that's good for me, he's saying, I want it so that I can build up myself. I desire this so that I can be the God I want to be. His name is what? (laughs) This man is the power of God that is called great. Simon the magician was called great. Now, it shows up for us maybe in different ways, in little ways, in places where someone does something that we don't quite agree with or we like, maybe our flatmate or our partner or our children or our boss or our subordinate. And so we immediately don't think, I wonder what's going on in their life that would cause them to make that decision. But we think to ourselves, why are they doing that to me? Because we've placed ourselves on the throne of our heart to say, I'm the one who should be respected here. I'm great. Why aren't they listening? Why aren't they obeying? Or it happens as easily as when we're driving and we see it come out because we don't like the way the other person maybe is driving. We have a hard time often recognizing this in our own hearts. And so it's good that we have Holy Spirit to walk with us and good that we have each other. Not that we sit there with one another and go, ooh, I just saw how bad you are. But that we sit with one another and say, oh, can I walk with you in this place of brokenness? Because I am broken there as well. And I believe that God can make me whole and make you whole. See, Simon's desire is for himself. But the Ethiopian eunuch, who is digging deep into Scripture, is looking for something beyond himself. The interesting thing is that they're both operating in the supernatural. Simon is doing something that is beyond natural. But all of that is about him. Whereas the Ethiopian eunuch is encountering something supernatural. Philip shows up out of nowhere, walks up to him and asks him a question directly that pierces his heart that says, how will I know this unless somebody explains it to me? And when he hears it supernaturally, something's changing his heart so that he can accept it and believe it. So much so he says, why wait? Let's do it now. And so he's walking in that place of not saying, I want this for myself, like Simon is doing. You notice Simon is like, I want this. The Ethiopian eunuch is walking in a place that says, I need this. There is nothing else that matters in the world besides this. That my ability to walk in wholeness with God is paramount in every other search or endeavor that I have. And that in my brokenness, the only thing that will make me whole is this. And so he cries out. You see, what we see happening here is Simon operating as if Jesus 
is an add-on. It's just that thing that will make me just a little bit better. It's a belief that I can put on that'll make me look a little bit different. It's something that will give me a new way to meet people. That that Jesus is just an add-on. We have to be careful of that in our lives. Because what we see from the Ethiopian eunuch is Jesus is everything. So much so that I'll stop my journey home to get back to my family in order to do the thing I feel God leading me to do right now that this man who I've never met before tells me I need to do. And I say, now, stop the chariot. (laughs) Let's get out. There's water. Not that that water's going to save him, mind you, but there's a place of his submission to Christ and what he's already doing in obedience to say, let me be washed clean. For those of us today who are walking with Christ, we must allow Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and say, have I made you an add-on? Something extra that makes my life special. Or are you my all in all, my everything, and all that I could ever dream of and attain to in following you? And in the same way, if you are here and you're looking at what this Jesus life is like, and you're thinking to yourself, if I just do this, I'll feel better about myself. Listen to me. He's not an add-on, and he won't stay an add-on for very long. Not because he wants to punish you, but because he loves you enough to say, know all of who I am so that you can know all of who you are. So that I can make you complete as you always were. Now that's impossible for any of us to do. Don't you love it when I say things like that? Then why are you telling us that? If it's impossible for us to give up our desire for power and control, if it's impossible for us to stop seeking approval and pleasure, then how are you going to empower us to do that? Well, let's look at what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. It's Isaiah, right? Isaiah chapter 53. This is Isaiah talking about Jesus. That's why he asked, who's this about, the prophet or Jesus? And that's when Philip says, this is about Jesus. And he starts and he says this, he was oppressed in verse 7. This is what he read. And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like the lamb that is led to the slaughter, like the sheep that is before the shearers is silent. And so he opened not his mouth, but oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put him to grief. 
When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offering and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquity. Therefore I will divide him as a portion for the many, and he shall divide the spoils of the strong, because he poured out of his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressions. Yet he bore the sins of many, and he makes intercession for those transgressions. What a great place for Philip to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch to say this, look, you can't do it. However, it has been done and accomplished through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, empowering you. So the one who has all authority, the one who has all control, the one who has all approval because he is holy and high and lifted up, the one who seeks our good pleasure and responds in pleasure towards us, sacrifices all of that so that we can then have our acceptance alone in Christ. We are empowered to trust in the control that he has so that no matter what happens in our life, we will rest in what God is doing, knowing that we need to be reminded of that through Holy Spirit, that we then seek our pleasure in pleasing God, knowing that even though the things that I do that bring me pleasure here, they are fleeting and will lead to bondage. But as I seek after God, his good pleasure shines down on me. And I have power. Power to overcome those things that come towards me. Not because I walk alone, but because I walk with those who are believers as well knowing that God gives us that strength within Christ so that we can overcome. You see, in this particular history of the church, we see two men who are engaging in a way with the gospel. Now, it says that Simon believed, right? Well, did he? I don't know. Commentators disagree on this. Other people disagree. I, I tend to think of it like this. When somebody does a painting, there's an original one. And then sometimes they can take that painting and make a print of that painting. And from a distance, you don't see the brush marks or the things like that, and so they look identical. But one is definitely a print of the original. I think Simon might have been a print. He might have looked as if he was. He might have even been to the place where he was like, this Jesus is so good, I got to get me some of that. But his heart motivation was about himself. And what we recognize that when we are painted by the master, when we become the original work that God created us to be, then by His hand, we receive that paint upon our canvas. We take hold of it to where we shine forth in authenticity that we are, in fact, sons and daughters of God. 
and that we have given of ourselves completely because we need Jesus so much. We just don't want him. Let me pray for us. Let these words be your words today, Father. Let them bear fruit, bring praise to you, and good works be done because of them. And if they're not your words, let them burn up and go away, not take root in our hearts, because they are worthless. And so we ask that you will bless them. Let us receive them well. And let us know that you are all that we need. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together in response.